Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Turn, if you would, in, uh, in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22 as we continue to study this about wonderful passage about Abraham. Let's look to God. Father, thank you so much for being the God of Abraham and for being our God. And this morning, Lord, we pray that we, as your children, might learn from you, our Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here we are, Genesis chapter 22, verse one. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young man, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went, both of them together." And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, my father, and he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Now, we saw here as we were studying, and particularly last time in verse two, where God said, and take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. So what we looked at, when we looked at in our last study, we focused in on that very important second verse there in this chapter, because that was really a verse that we saw God calling to Abraham. And as he called to Abraham and went through this description here of Isaac, it was really a call to Abraham. Of course, it was a call to him to offer his son. But more than that, before Abraham could offer him his son, he had to totally surrender to God. So what verse 2 really represents is God's call to Abraham for a total surrender to God. And in verse 2, we can see that God's calling Abraham to really this new level, this next step in his devotion to God. It was a new level for Abraham in his life with God. He's calling him now to this new level of absolute, unconditional surrender to God. For Abraham, it was his son, his only son, the son whom he loved. And that was that he, what he held, the, the son Isaac, is what he held on to. You can imagine this, the dearest that he had here on earth. So when Abraham's calling, uh, when God is calling Abraham to surrender Isaac, he's really calling Abraham to surrender to this total, total this new level, to this everything that he holds dear on earth. He removed, and God removed all doubt as to who he was calling Abraham to surrender. And we saw in our last study that the Hebrew in verse two, it's remarkable how when you read it because it's, it, it comes across the way the Hebrew reads is, is, is that you can almost feel Abraham as God introduces this subject to him about sacrificing his son, that, that with each of it, Abraham, is, you could feel him say, oh no, not him, not that. 
Not you could feel, and yet God is directing Abraham to Isaac to the burnt offerings. It's the repeated use of this Hebrew word et in verse two that paints for us the picture like with each use that God uses of that word et, it's like God is turning, you know, everyone wants to look this way, and God's turning his face to look again at Isaac. So the first use of this word et, we can see the hand of God just moving Abraham's face to look again on Isaac, and, and he said, et bincha, and that son of yours, he says, that son of yours, and so so Abraham's like, oh, no, I don't want to look. And God says, no, et bincha, that son of yours. And when Abraham hears that son of yours, we can see Abraham, he wants to turn his face away, and God points it back. And then the second use of that word et, we can see again God's hand moving Abraham's face back. As he said, as Abraham's turning back, and he says, no, et yekidha. And he says, that your only one of yours, your only one of yours, ha is and, and asher, et yehid ha asher. In other words, he's saying here, there's a double emphasis for Isaac on Abraham's, that in Abraham hears, that your only one of yours. So, and we can see that when, when God says that, he says, you know, he says, at first he says, that, that son of yours, and he turns to Abraham, and he says, no, that yours, that your only one of yours. Oh no, Abraham would say, oh no not my only one of mine, he might say. Then God comes with the third, et, here, and we can see again God moving his face back, and he said, et Yitzhak. He says, he says, that Isaac, that Isaac. So with all these ets that are going, all these dats, we can see a clear progression here as Abraham is being brought by God to bring him to this new level, this new step of this absolute surrender of everything to God. And then God reveals to Abraham that he knew, God knew how much this was going to cost Abraham. He knew. And and because in the next statement, God identifies Isaac as the one whom thou lovest. And he's been looking at Abraham. When we read this about God, we can see the good God of Abraham has been looking at Abraham and he sees in Abraham this special love that Abraham has for Isaac. The love that Abraham had for Isaac was absolutely remarkable. It was unique. We, when we think of all the relationships that we studied so far in the book of Genesis, none of those relationships, none of them, was ever described by the word love. None of them. The word love was never used to describe the relationship between Adam and Eve. We hope they loved each other. Sometimes we doubt it when we read in, in chapter three, but, but it never was there. And the, and the word love was never used. Then it was never used for either Adam or Eve for Abel. For Abel. It was never used. The word love was never used to describe the relationship between Adam and Eve and Seth. It's easy to understand why Cain wasn't involved, but anyway. And, 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 it, was, and it was never used. The word, the word love is never used to describe the relationship between Noah and his wife or the relationship, even relationship between Sarah and Abraham. The word love is never used. It's never been used. The word love was never used for, to describe the relationship of Lot and his wife. So we've seen all these relationships so far in our study of the book of Genesis, and we never see the word love that's there. This is now the first time in, in, in Genesis that this word love appears. 
And it's between the relationship between Abraham and Isaac. Now, I'm not saying they didn't, all the other people didn't love each other, but it's just that it wasn't uniquely brought out as a characteristic here of surpassing all relationships, which it does here. And God knew that Abraham had this special love for Isaac, so he calls it out. And he says, Abraham, I'm talking about the one whom you love, that Isaac whom you love. And for Abraham, Isaac was the love of his heart. It was the dearest that he had on earth. And he's calling him now to sacrifice the love of his heart, to sacrifice the dearest that he has. Could you do that? Could you do that if God called you to the, I'm I'm not even gonna answer it for myself, but that's what God was calling Abraham for. Wrapped up in, in Isaac was all that Abraham held dear on earth. For Abraham, Isaac was not just Isaac, but Isaac was as God described him. Isaac, whom thou lovest. He was the object of his, all of his love on earth, Isaac was. And Abraham, Abraham it's, it's hard for us even to understand this love that, I, that Abraham had for Isaac. It's all is, is wrapped up, his whole life is wrapped up in Isaac. For he's the love of his heart, Isaac is. And everything that Abraham desires on earth is wrapped up in Isaac. And he's the desire. Isaac is the desire of Abraham's life. He wants to give him everything. He wants to do everything for him. He wants to teach him everything. Why? Because he loves him. And so you could say now, Abraham, as far as your possessions, you go, he says, all my possessions wrapped up in Isaac. It's all, he's he's the greatest possession of my life here. And so when God was calling Abraham, to sacrifice Isaac. God was calling Abraham to really, in order for him to do this, Abraham had to sort of experience a type of death and a type of resurrection. By calling Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, God was calling Isaac, says Isaac, it's it's Abraham, Abraham, I know in order for you to do this, what I'm calling to, you have to die. You have to die to your love for Isaac. And, And then you have to be resurrected to a singular love for me, in me, God, in God alone. This is what has to go on inside of Abraham as he deals with this. You know, Abraham, we have seen so far, is a very pensive person. He's a person who, who, who considers in his heart. He's, a, he's, not a, he's not a fly off the handle type of person. He's a, he's a type of person that walks away and thinks about that. And he was thinking about that. And we're trying to get into the mind of Abraham. We're trying to understand what was he thinking when God has called them to sacrifice Isaac, and God is call, calling Abraham, he's gonna sacrifice Isaac, and he's, he's really saying, and so Abraham is thinking to himself, if I'm gonna do this, I have to die to my own desires. Abraham had to die to the love of his life. Abraham had to be resurrected to a singular love in God. Abraham had to die to his desires here on, on earth, and he had to be resurrected to a singular desire in God. And so, but this is all what's going on inside of Abraham's mind. And so when Abraham is called to sacrifice Isaac, God is calling Abraham to die to what not only he holds dear, but what he sees as his, so to speak, his possessions here in, in, on, on earth, and be resurrected to a singular possession in God alone. Now, so this is the test that's referred to in verse one. It was a test for Abraham. It was a test, the test of verse one was this question. Abraham, are you really willing to die to all your love on earth 
In order to live by loving God alone, as Moses expressed this word, this, this, this concept, this all, this all concept is what Moses really capitalized on in the Shema. You know, the Shema is not just the first part, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. There's another part, and that's the next verse. And what you hear, O Israel, what are you supposed to hear? It's verse 5. And verse 5 is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. See, that's the test of verse 1 for Abraham. Abraham, are you really willing to die to all your desires on earth in order to live by desiring all with all your heart God alone? And David expressed this, he capitalized on this word all too. David did in 2 Samuel 23, verses, verse five, when he said, all my salvation and all my desire was in the Lord. And, and, and this, is, this is it. When the Lord was there at the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and, he, and, he, and he's going through, he's thinking through, just like Abraham is thinking through, I'm gonna sacrifice Isaac. How am I gonna do that? And the Lord Jesus Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's gonna, he's gonna say, I'm gonna sacrifice myself. How am I gonna do that? And Abraham has to say, I have to die to my own will. And the Lord Jesus Christ says in Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42, he says, saying, Father, if thou, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So the test of verse, what he's saying there is he's dying to his own will. The Lord Jesus Christ is dying to his own will in the Garden of Gethsemane in order to sacrifice himself. And that's the test of verse one. Was Abraham really willing to, do, to die? Was he really willing to die to all that he felt had dear hair on earth in order to live by seeing that he had only one possession? That's God alone. And you know, this took faith, faith. Now last week, our brother David, Dave Hall there, he, he preached on the acronym of faith and he showed the women all with the letter, you know. So here's another acronym for you, faith, F-I-T-H. F, forsaking, A, all, I, I, T, take, H, him. This is really what, what Abraham's being called to. Abraham, do you have faith? Are you willing to forsake all so that you can take him? Forsaking all, I take him. So the test in verse one is really a question about, Abraham, are you willing to forsake in order to take Jehovah Jesus? Is that what you're willing to do? So, so, and that's what the Lord Jesus Christ said you had to do in, in, in Luke 14, 33, what he said, likewise, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all, there's that word again, who forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. So Abraham, willing to forsake all, which was all bound up in Isaac, that he had, he could be a disciple of, of Jehovah Jesus. And, 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 and we have to ask the question, you know, we read these things about Abraham, but really the application go back to us, we say, well, if we were in Abraham's shoes, what would we do? What would we do if we were called to this? It's really a question when God, when you pick up the hymnal and say, okay, now turn to this hymn, and God asks you to sing some of these hymns, do you really mean it? All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my beings, ransom powers, all my thoughts and words and doings, all my days, all my hours, all for Jesus, all for Jesus. And God says, is that true? Is that really true? Are you really singing that? Or do you really mean that? 
So when God used this double emphasis, especially there, that only one of yours, God was saying to Abraham, Abraham, I know what you're thinking when you look at Isaac. When you look at Isaac, you see yourself. You see yourself, you see the continuation of yourself. It's what the scripture calls the declaration of his generation. So Abraham, you're going to declare that you were here in your generation through Isaac, through Isaac. And so he sees, so Abraham looks at Isaac and he sees the declaration of his generation. He sees, he sees, he sees his life in Isaac. And so Abraham thought, boy, when he dies, I die. My declaration dies, I die. And Abraham's old at this point. And he knew that he was gonna leave this world sooner than later, and he probably thought more sooner than later. And so it's very important for Abraham. He has a son. Finally, he has a son. He has the right son. He had another son, but anyway. He has the right son, and it's very important for him that Isaac live. He's going to declare his generation. So, and so Abraham's thought, I live in Isaac. I live through Isaac. If Isaac dies, I die. And God knew that. God knew that Abraham was thinking that. And so when, so when God was asking Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, God is asking Abraham, are you willing to die to yourself? Are you willing to die to yourself? Are you willing to die in Isaac? Because Abraham saw himself in Isaac. So in this progression, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, offer him. We see a progression here of Abraham being called by God to die to himself. It's a progression, really it's a process here of dying to himself. And so how could he be willing to go through this massive death, uh, Abraham? And Abraham could be willing because Abraham knew, as we know, Abraham knew that he had a sinful self. He knew that. And, and, and Paul knew that. And Paul expressed that in Galatians 2.20 when he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in the faith, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's why Paul went on further to call our Christian, or, or, to call our old sinful self an old man, an old man that's gotta die. And, and, and he views himself, as Paul looks at himself, he says, you know, he says, I view myself as, as crucified with Christ, as he said in Galatians 2.20, but he also put it this way in Romans 6.6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, he died, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. That's why Paul said that those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, those who are, who are his, have this central characteristic. There's a central characteristic, and, and they see themselves as having their flesh crucified with the affections and its lusts. As he said in Galatians 5.24, that they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affection and the lusts. And so Paul then, he sets forth himself as an example. He says, now look at me, everybody, Paul says, as Christians, and follow, follow me. Because when I look at the world, you know, Paul did, there wasn't Las Vegas when Paul did, but that's where he was, you know. So he's looking at the world as Las Vegas, you know, the epitome of the world was self-satisfying pleasures, all right, that's Las Vegas. And so he looks, he looks at that, and he looks at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he sees the world, and he sees all the glitter, and he sees the crucified Lord Jesus Christ, and he says, now I'm enabled to write across the world in my life, crucified, crucified. 
And so he says in Galatians 6, 14, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. It has no attraction for me. I don't respond to it because it's dead. I'm not attracted to a dead person. I don't respond to a dead person. Dude, there's something wrong with you. But, but, and, and so God said to Abraham in verse two, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac whom thou lovest, and offer him. It's a process there, the crucifying process for Abraham. And that's what God wants to do for us. That's what God did for him. That's what he wants to do with us. It's our love of self. It's our love of self that gets us into trouble. It's our, it's our love of our sinful desires that gets us into trouble. You know, we say, sin? Oh, I hate sin. I want to turn away from it. But on the other hand, I kind of rather like the way it feels. And, and, and so self, it, 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 that's what self does to us. It deceives us. And so self, it, it's like, and the question is, where is that self? Is that, that self can be in us like an idol. It can be like an idol that displaces God. And, and only as we die to that self, and that self dies to us, can, can God be enthroned on the throne of our hearts. William Cowper put it so well when he, he wrote in this hymn that we have a hymn. It, it, it said, the dearest idol I have known, whate'er that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. Okay, going on now, verse two. Abraham hears God tell him to go to this land of Moriah. He says, Moriah. He says, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. Get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I'll tell thee of. So at first, this command to, comes to Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. It's very scary. It's very scary for Abraham. And, you know, and, and that was normal. I mean, you'd be scared too. I would. And so the question is, how is Abraham going to resolve being scared, the scariness, you know? How are you going to resolve being scared? Well, first of all, Abraham wanted to please God. And, 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 and so he resolved. You know, my friend John has a granddaughter, Chloe. She's five years old. And so John's daughter, Vanessa, uh, obviously the mother, Chloe, in case you figure that out. Anyway, So, you know, they, they go to Disneyland all the time. And, and so, they, in fact, they just went this last week. And Chloe, little Chloe, five years old, she, she goes only on the rides that she can see. You know, she can see the carousel. Okay, I'll go on that ride. She can see Dumbo the Flying Elephant. She said, oh, I'll go on that ride, right? But the rides that she can't see, like uh, Peter Pan, you know, where, where, you know, where you sit there and the doors open and go, there's darkness in there. Or, you know, uh, the, the Mad Ted or T-Ride. Anyways, all these things, and I forgot. But anyway, <laughs> all these rides where you can't see inside, she won't go. No, she's afraid. And she said, so, well, Chloe, why won't you go on those rides? I can't see in there. So she'll go to the rides where it's all open, but she won't go inside the dark places. You know, I don't blame her. I don't like going in there either. Things come out of the dark in any way. But uh, one day was Chloe's birthday. No, no, no was Vanessa's birthday. One day was Vanessa's birthday, and they were going to go to Disneyland. And so Chloe comes into the kitchen, and she says, Mommy, I'm going on all the rides, including Peter Pan and all those dark ones. And so her mother said to her, Chloe, you're always afraid to go in those rides. Why are you going in those scary rides now? And she said, because I want this to be the best birthday ever for you. (laughs) 
five-year-old. Okay. Abraham, why are you going? It's so scary. Why, how are you going to do? Because you called me, and I want to make you happy. Same thing. So Abraham, he said, he sacrificed my son Isaac. It sounds so scary. I said, how am I going to resolve this? Well, I've known God for all my life. And Abraham would say, well, not quite all his life, but he had a long time with God. And so he says now, he says to himself, now how would I describe God? Would I describe God as a scary God? Does God, for all the time I've known God, would I say that God likes to scare me, likes to scare people? I've known God, and I know that he does not like to scare. It's not him. So he's called me to sacrifice Isaac. I will not let that scare me. Keep in mind that, that Isaac is watching Abraham because there's another person who should be scared about this command. <laughs> and Isaac is getting the crystallization of the, in his mind that he's the lamb. You know, he's, he's not stupid. And so if Isaac saw Abraham scared, then Isaac would have been scared. And, and, and you know, this, is a, this, this command comes to Abraham. It's like terrorizing. It's a terrorizing. I'm going to sacrifice my son. That brings terror to me. How's he going to resolve the issue of terror? Same thing. He says, there, he says sacrifice my son Isaac? That's terror. I feel terror. Would I describe God as a terrorizing God? Would I, would I, would I, would I, is my description of God that he's a terrorist? No, the devil's a terrorist. Thank you for listening to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If you would like to hear more of this message or other messages by Tom Cantor, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also call us directly for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor.